Today is Baptism Sunday. The stage looks different. There's water in this thing. Uh, we're going to dunk some people in it. Uh, my daughter today is getting baptized, uh, my youngest. Uh, she just turned seven recently, and uh, she asked me last Sunday when we did our class together, um, she said, Daddy, is there enough water in there to drown? <laughs> Um, I said, baby, if there was, it doesn't matter. Daddy's not going to drown you. I'm not going to hold you under this water. I'm just going to, you're just going to take a quick dip. Uh, but we're really excited to see friends and family here today with us. Uh, we've been in a series over the last couple weeks on the Holy Spirit. And today we're taking a break from that uh, for me to deliver a message to you that's appropriate for the day called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. So we're going to talk about what it really means to follow Jesus and to make the decision to follow him. Um, the real question for each one of us is, have we decided to follow Jesus? As you think about that, the idea that, I, that, that burns in my heart is, if so, then what does that look like for each and every one of you? Chances are it looks different for you than it does for me, but... It's going to involve something we call action, right? Amen? So when we decide to follow Jesus, he calls us to an active lifestyle, if you will, that he wants a big part of. So when Jesus was sent from the Father to come and be our Savior, he was a great leader while he was here, and he was pretty demanding of his followers. I don't know how much you've read or how much you might know of what he said to his disciples, but some of the things that he said were pretty incredible. They asked them a lot because he's an all-in kind of God. Listen to what he tells his disciples after calling them to follow him. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 to 39, it says this, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. When we think about what God requires of us, we have to understand he is not looking to be added to your list of things to do. He is not looking for a small space that you can carve out for, for him in each day. He is asking you for all of your life, every aspect. So the God of the universe, the creator of the universe who sent his son to earth says those words, you shouldn't love anything more than you love me. And then he says in many other places and in different ways, if you truly love me, you'll do what I've asked you to do. In fact, we see that he is an all-in kind of guy, that he wants every area of our life. And Jesus himself was water baptized. So we look at his model of what his obedience looked like. And today we have those who are going to follow him in water baptism in obeying his command. When we get water baptized, we declare that we are following Christ. We're making it public. Because Jesus was baptized, we want to be baptized too. Although he was not a sinner, he humbled himself and became obedient to the Father. So that makes me think for my own life, the areas of my life that I might not be so obedient in. 
Now, it might be easy for you to look at me, and if you know me, say, I know the area that you're not obedient in. And others can do that pretty easily of others. But today, I want you to kind of be introspective for just a moment, because we sincerely believe that the Holy Spirit is real and that he's here today in the hearts and lives of believers. And I believe he has a voice and he speaks. So there's an area of our life each one of us that isn't quite submitted the way that it should be to God and to his will. And that's what I want you to think about today when we think about obedience. So he was not a sinner, but he humbled himself in obedience to identify with us. Scripture tells us that he was tempted in every way, just as we are, so that he would know what we're going through. Aren't you glad we serve a God who knows what we're going through? Aren't you glad that we serve a God who knows what we're going through? It's an incredible thought. Um, the, if you go to the Chinese buffet today after church, you will see a little fat round statue of a guy they call Buddha. He doesn't know what I'm going through. He's not living. He doesn't hear my prayers, but the God of the universe does. Amen? And I'm so glad we follow him. Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, it says this, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open or split apart, and the Spirit descending on him. Him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. So this act of obedience in water baptism, it happened before Jesus ministry ever took place. God is measuring our obedience. And I'll raise my hand and say, there are areas in my life that I am disobedient and I'm still learning. I am a work in progress. And we say that around here all the time, but we don't use it as a cop out because we are progressing and we should be progressing as the fruit of the spirit is born in our life. And as we give control of our lives to the Lord, then we can truly say we are a work in progress. So Jesus got baptized in obedience to the father. And that is important for us to realize. So the question is, are we living in obedience in every aspect? None of us are perfect. The people who come here today to be baptized are not perfect. I know all of them. They're not perfect. I know some more than others. They're not perfect. They know me. I'm not perfect. But we do serve a perfect God who's willing and able and ready to help us in those areas of our life where we struggle. Whatever the habit is, the hurt, the hang up, the past, whatever it is, God can surely take care of it. So baptism is an act of obedience, but it's an act of faith as well to the command of Christ. In Matthew chapter 28, we read what God, what Jesus says to his disciples in his final words to them. He gives them something we call the great commission. He says to them these words, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
This past week, some of you, if not all of you here today, would know that I moonlight as a teacher part-time, and I teach Bible at CCA, Clinton Christian Academy. This past week, we talked about the, the patriarch of our faith. His name was Abram. It gets changed into Abraham. We talked about his life and his faith in God and his obedience to God. In fact, the Bible says that he was considered righteous because of his faith and obedience. The student's memory verse this week was Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight. It says this, by faith, Abraham obeyed. Just that phrase right there alone is so powerful. By faith, Abraham obeyed. And listen to the rest of it. When he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going, he was fully trusting God, and he was obeying. So can I tell you something this morning, church? Faith alone is not enough. Faith alone is not enough. We must obey that whom we believe. So that's why we talk about it like that around here because we say our faith is always supposed to be active. It's not about works that earn me God's love, that get me into his kingdom, that make him smile bigger at me or love me more. That's not what it's about. It's about the human heart submitting to the authority of Christ in my life and to say to him, God, you truly are my Lord, my King, my Master. So baptism means that we are a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a public declaration of our faith. It's a confession that we believe in him and we're committed to him. And the Bible tells us in all of the different situations where we see after Christ leaves, he's, he's uh, crucified and resurrected, and then the believers start meeting together. In every one of those situations, when people come to faith in Christ and they say, I love him, I want him in my life, the very next step that they take is that of water baptism. Listen to what Mark 16 verse 16 says. It says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. I asked my students, raise your hand and say, I believe in God. If that's true of you, I believe in God. All the hands go up. Then I asked them this question this week. How many of you have ever failed to obey something in God's word? All of the hands go up. They would go in this room as well. Whoever believes is saved. Whoever does not believe is condemned. So baptism is a public declaration of our faith. It's also a move from death to life. When they step into this tank this morning and they're dipped underwater, I got to tell you, the water is nice this morning. It's been cold in other times, but today it's nice and warm. When they step into this water though, there's no magic in this water. I didn't pray over this baptistry this morning. There's nothing miraculous that's going to happen when this happens. It's a symbol of their faith, but it is a demonstration of them moving from a place of death to life again. 
And we love that about the story of our Savior, that he not only conquered death, but not only that he crucified, was crucified and died for our sins, but that he did conquer death and he resurrected. And the Bible says that if we join him in that, how much more so will we join him in the new life in the hereafter? Amen? I've got somewhere to be. Amen? And I don't want to go to the place that doesn't have God's presence. I want to be with him in eternity. So it's a move from death to life. Burial and resurrection are what's pictured in this moment. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 to 14 says this, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your sins or your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses. Verse 14 says, this is how he does it. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to a cross. An old gospel song that we used to sing in church when I was a kid. We don't sing it anymore, but it says these words. You may be familiar with them. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. He didn't give to me a loan. He gave himself. Now he's my own. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. It's so true of us that we are indebted to him. The sins and the trespasses of our lives against his law and against his presence and against his love have caused us to be at the place of needing, deserving rightfully so, a punishment. Yet he sent a redeemer to make all things new again. Baptism is also a symbol of a brand new life. It's of a brand new life of a Christian or that of a recent decision to bury the old life and to rise again in the newness of life. It's like a wedding ring. I have one on this morning. I'm happily married. There's my wife right there. Wave to everyone. Um, I have one on today, but it's an outward symbol of a commitment that I made in my heart. I made on the inside of me, right? It's a commitment that has to be followed through and lived out on a daily basis. Here's a simple way that we explain baptism. We say that it is a symbol. I said there's no magic in the water. It's meant to show the world, though, and the family and friends that have gathered here today that they have decided to love Jesus and to have him continually be in their life, that they trust him and that they've put their hope in Christ It's like that wedding ring. So let's say that I'm not married right now. If I just walked into a jewelry store and purchased a wedding ring and put it on, would that make me married? No. In today's world, people would probably think, yeah, sure, you're married. But if if there was no one else around, I can't marry anyone. And if I just buy a ring and put it on my finger, that doesn't make me married, does it? No, it doesn't. The same is true of baptism. I can be baptized in the church, but that's not what makes me a true believer in Jesus Christ, right? So I'm thankful for my beautiful wife. Over 11 years ago, almost 11 and a half years ago, 
we got married on a beautiful June day. I think that's right, right? June, a beautiful June day in, uh, on a farm in New Jersey. Surprise, surprise, they have farms in New Jersey. And it was a beautiful day, but I, I can remember a lot of details about that. I can also remember the seasons of my life that we've gone through together. Some have been amazing, some have been rocky, some have been steady, some have been smooth. And if you're married in this room today, maybe you understand that same thing. But every night, and this might be something that you disagree with, but I'm just being transparent, we have a wooden headboard. So every night before I lay down to sleep, I take my wedding ring off and I put it on the little sink area so that when I move around at night, I don't wake myself up or her up if my hand hits the headboard. When I take my ring off, does that make me unmarried? No, it doesn't, right? So we've got to understand I'm still married even if I take my ring off because something's happened on the inside of me. The same is true of baptism. I can be a believer in Christ, but not yet baptized and my sins are still paid for and forgiven. The Bible talks very clearly about that. But people ask questions and say, well, if I'm not water baptized, am I still able to go to heaven? Listen, Jesus paid the debt that you owed. And if you've accepted payment for that, then you are going to heaven. But the next step is to obey in this way. So if you're married in this room and you have your spouse with you, would you turn to them this morning and just tell them you love them? Go ahead. Oh, look at all this love in the room today. We love our spouses and we want the whole world to know it. I can remember only once or twice this happened where I've left my wedding ring behind on the sink and got busy going throughout my day. My wife and I did not have a fun conversation after that. She wants everyone around me to know that I'm hers, that I'm taken, right? And so if I've trusted Christ to save me from my sin and he really is the Lord of my life and the joy of my life, then I want everyone to know about it. That's the way this goes. So baptism is a statement to everyone who sees it that I've trusted Christ and that I've committed to live for him. At this time, I'm gonna ask those who are going to be baptized to go ahead and exit and prepare to get water baptized. I'll also ask the worship team to come and join me on the stage. I'll take this little moment before I share a few more scripture verses with you to tell you while all this activity is happening. That at the end of our service, each time, uh, we take a moment to do what we call a worship encore. If you could just keep one light on for me, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Okay, perfect. Um, we do something called a worship encore where the worship team comes and plays another song. And it's a moment for us to connect with the Lord. I want to give you an opportunity in just a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I made a decision and I walked an aisle as a kid at a camp, at a VBS. My grandma took me to church. My mother took me to church. But you say, Pastor, my life is not being lived in obedience to him. Then today's your day. I love the story of the prodigal son. It says that in my paraphrase, my, my imagination of the story and how it goes in scripture, I can imagine the father sitting on the front porch every single day waiting to see that son come home. He knew in his heart that someday, somehow, some way that there would be a change of direction in his son's heart and whatever caused that change, he was happy 
because his son was coming home. It says he ran towards him in the distance and he grabbed a robe and he put a ring on him and he reestablished him in his family. He was saying to him, welcome home. And I want to make sure that you understand that God is like that father. So if there's a place in your life that you say, pastor, you know what? I need to make that choice and I need to turn from what I'm doing and how I'm living to walk back towards him. I gotta tell you, he will not turn you down. He'll never turn you away. Baptism is a statement for everyone to see that these people have trusted Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 5, it says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. I want to ask you to stand with me today for just a moment. And I want to ask you this question. The question is, have you been made new? Are you currently living the way that God wants you to? And you could say, Pastor, I'm not perfect. But we say, don't let that be a cop-out to live haphazardly because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're only in this moment right now. And I believe God's spirit is speaking to some of our hearts. I want to give you that chance to give your life to him. And also, I want to say, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never made this commitment and I'd like to today. It's as simple as this, admitting that you need God, confessing that you are a sinner. That's a tough thing to do. It's easy to say, I'm not perfect, but it's hard to say, this is how I sin. I have pride. I have this. I have that. When we confess our sins and those words come out of our mouth, we're acknowledging our deep need for him. And then it says that we've got to believe that he is who he says he is, that he's the son of the living God, that he was sent to save us from our sins. But I'm so thankful that he is no longer on a cross. He's no longer in a grave, but he's risen for you and for I to give us the promise that there's life that's more than this. It's not just about the here and now, but we're heading to a destination. And here's what I heard said by someone recently. I want to see you there with me. I want all of us to be there. So would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me for just a moment? I'd like to pray with you. And I'd like to ask the Lord to bless these baptismal candidates that are coming. If you want to make that decision today and you say, Pastor, I want to step out in faith and I want to commit my life to the God of the universe, I want you to just slip up your hand, every eye closed. But if there's anyone here today, I don't want you to miss this opportunity. 
If there's anyone here today that says, Pastor, I've not been living the way that I know God wants me to, and I need a directional change. I need a change right now in my life, and I'm asking that God would help me with that change. Slip up your hand right now, wherever you are. Several hands going up right now. Father, I pray over these individuals today that you would truly bless them, speak to their hearts and help them as they trust you to change their lives. Lord, we believe that you are the transformer. You are the great fixer. You are the great healer and redeemer. You can transform the life of a serial killer, the life of a murderer. You could transform the dirtiest soul. And Father, you've transformed mine. So Father, in this moment, those hands that went up a moment ago, remind them of the transformation in their life that's possible only through you. And Lord, give them their, give them your grace to be able to walk in newness of life today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stay standing while the worship team sings this brief song and we prepare for our baptisms?